Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. That, those are our acapella garage door noises because uh, this is Carnivorous Couch, the podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. We are periscoping for the first time in the first podcast. First time? Um, this is the first podcast we've done since Perico- Periscope has existed. The nerve of us trotting out our radio-made faces onto <laughs> the, the young people's media. So anyway, um, it's kind of cool we got this set up here. There's a tripod over there with the phone on it, and that orange cable you see going to the laptop mirrors it to the screen so that we can see what you're saying to us and type to you. Uh, pretty badass. Indeed. So and we can mug. <laughs> we can mug for the camera. Um, anyway, this week we did uh, It Follows. It Follows. Uh, we, we just have me and Brady. Yeah, just us. No guests this time. No oh, guests. hand me that beer you got for me. Oh, yeah, one sec. Uh, normally this is Carnivore's couch and we sit on the couch, but the couch is currently a bed and, uh, in disarray. So it's going to be the Carnivore's clusterfuck, but I do love how the, how great the, uh, freaking moon base backdrop look is. It looks great. I mean... You want to explain where the moon base comes from? Oh, yes. Well, I mean, we have explained it on previous podcasts. First of all, if you've ever tuned into this before, uh, the only person we have listening right now is Chunk. Um, <laughs> so he has, but, um... Basically, my girlfriend painted this for me because my dream is to build a moon base on the moon. Uh, naturally, that's where a moon base would be. Um, are we recording? Yeah, it's still going. Because um, <laughs> I'm not being as studio-ish. Ooh, you buffed the mic. Oh, that's fine. I'll fuck it. fix it later. Um, and so she made this whole moon base for me, except uh, over there is the dying astronaut, which you can't see on the camera, but I'm not going to adjust it because we should have a camera person. Um, so I just walked in. I saw the moon. I saw the dying astronaut. And I saw a cake that says, you're never going to go to the moon, dude. And I thought it was an insult. <laughs> it wasn't, though. I mean, she was being sweet because I'm supposed to go to build a moon base then have a cake that says you're never going to go to the moon dude on it everybody's supposed to come up to my moon base and eat their words in the form of cake right 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 uh so we did it follows we did uh, a horror movie from this year debuted at uh, a lot of the festivals in 2014 and uh we're hoping fingers crossed ghost fingers crossed that this is the beginning of a bit of a horror renaissance where we're going to get you know, a lot of uh, horror films hopefully coming down the pipeline that are both genuinely scary and also a little thought-provoking, which, which is good. The best horror always does that. You get a little tingle, and then you get a little a little mental tingle to go with your spinal tingle. A Indeed. lot of tingling. So we must say, uh, for the new listeners, this is a spoiler-full podcast. We're going to talk about every goddamn thing on this movie and every goddamn thing in any other movie that just happens to come to the discussion. Right. We'll spoil everything for you, spoil like everything. your entire world. It was like, a lovely Sunday, and you've spoiled it. We'll, <laughs> we'll spoil your, your future. Like, uh, <laughs> actually, there's a recent uh, study that came out about um, uh, kind of quantum mechanics and how they're thinking more and more and more like the Schrodinger's cat thing. What happens in the future actually makes what happened in the past have happened. Cool, I buy it. So, like, when they, and there's this really cool video out there. You should YouTube it called uh, "We Are the Future" or "We Are from the Future," which is about like how it's kind of impossible that a photon of light can travel 
through like a, a super uh, <laughs> this is not filmed discussion at all, but I thought it was really interesting. Like a photon hits uh, a chlorophyll receptor and gets transferred into energy, and there's like a billion ways that could not work. But plants seem to do it every time because the future life of the plant makes the photon energy going into the plant and letting it grow and photosynthesis to occur possible because the future reaffirms the past. Cool. I don't know. Well, wow. It's a cool video. Um, do you want to plot synopsize or should I? Uh, let's see. Or do you want to trade I could, off? I could take a crack here. I have, okay. I have actual like narrative written like how to say it out loud and stuff. Uh, well, if you want to, you may. <laughs> Uh, why don't I do the opening scene? Okay, okay. Go from there, and then we'll pop in, because uh, these pages are all out of order. Um, okay, we open with a young girl running. She's running from someone that they can't see, but it's clear that she knows that. As she runs into the house to get the keys, the family, she is wearing a nightie and a pair of heels, a symbol of childhood, another a symbol of sex. After driving to the beach and apologizing on the phone to her dad, telling him that she loves him, she is killed. The film cuts to a tableau of her mangled body. That's the opening. Mangled body. They killed my daughter. Um, Okay. Yeah. And so then we cut to the young lady who will become our main protagonist, Jay. I don't know if that's Jay, like short for something, or J-A-Y. But her name's Jay. And she's having a little swim in her backyard swimming pool. And some naughty little 10-year-old boys are spying on her. And her sister comes out to say hi and asks her, Oh, are you going on a date with that guy that you've been talking about tonight? Like, yeah. And so uh, then I think we get a scene before they go on the date where we meet some of the kids who will become our company. One is Jay's sister, who she talks to by the pool. The other is their longtime friend uh, and kind of has a crush on Jay, a boy by the name of Paul. And then we have Yara, their uh, goofy bookworm friend, kind of the sardonic uh, funny friend. And she's always on her her very ornate seashell-shaped iPhone uh, reading Camus and, and other lofty things yeah. like that. It's interesting to note that this movie plays with anachronistic things by having them watch movies on old TVs, but then also she's got some sort of e-reader that doesn't really exist and looks way too futuristic for words. Right. Yeah, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure what to make of that, but it is interesting. I have theories, but we'll get into that in our later segment Sweet. called What's It All About? Okay, so, so she goes on a date with a guy by the name of Hugh. I'm putting Hugh in quotes because we'll learn later his name is actually Jeff. But she's on a date, and they're at a movie theater. And to pass the time, she suggests this game, which you basically pick a person in a crowd, and you decide which person you'd most like to be to trade places with, and the other person has to guess. And so this is a very interesting entry point into one of the main themes of the movie, because Hugh ends up picking a a five-year-old child as who he would want to be, and his rationale is... Wouldn't it be great to just be in that state of utter carefree bliss again? Wouldn't it be great to have no worries, to always have an adult figure that was taking care of you? And so as they're playing this game, then it kind of transitions into they're in the movie theater at this point. And so then he says, well, would you want to be her? And he points to a woman in a yellow dress in the back of the theater and Jay looks and says, who, who are you talking about? 
And all of a sudden, Hugh is in a panic. He's rushing them out of the theater, putting Jay into the car, uh, because evidently Hugh can see someone who Jay cannot see. Uh, Rob, do you want to pick up from here? Yeah, sure, I could do that. I was uh, just being a producer and adjusting the camera angle. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, Jay goes on a date. So from there, we cut to her walking with her sister. Um, uh, what's her sister's name? Kelly. And Kelly's having a cigarette. Yeah, Kelly's having a cigarette and a Coke, and so she smells like cherry Coke and cigarettes. Um, anyway, there she's just kind of talking about the date. She's like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, uh, he was a little worried. Um, so basically, she ends up going out with him again. Um, and uh, they... Where do they go? Do they go anywhere? I mean, other than... I know they go out and they other drive to a parking lot. Car. Yeah. Um, they drive to a parking lot and then they go for a walk. And then she's like, you know, he opens his soul to her a little bit and talks about some stuff. And then she's like, let's go back to the car. And they have sex. And uh, then um, he chloroforms her yeah like after the, having sex in the middle of her giving like kind of a wistful soliloquy about how the things we idealize and dream of as youths kind of become different maybe a a little less significant youths. once we get there and she's kind of having this ennui laden thought to herself like oh well what is there like after we've gotten what we want when we, you know dreaming as children where do we go from there what's left is it just death right uh, so, um, uh, there's a, uh, yeah, so then she, he chloroforms her and he takes her to a parking garage and, uh, you're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, typically people chloroform people, <laughs> like, before they have sex in order to rape them or something like that. Uh, right. So at any rate, uh, he's got her tied up in a wheelchair and he's just like, I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, I just need you to believe me because, so basically she says like, I gave in the car, I gave you something. Uh, there's this thing, it's going to follow you, it'll be in human form. Uh, they're slow, but they're not dumb. Um, if it gets hurt, it'll follow on down the chain to him. And uh, sometimes they look like people you love just to hurt you. Um, then uh, she sees the thing coming, and he explains it to her, and he drops her off at uh, her house uh, where her sister and their friends are drinking beers while their mom is asleep because she's got to get up at 5 the next morning. And, like, they're like, oh, my God, she's been raped or whatever. So the cops are called and all this stuff happens. Uh, and she explained to the cop that it was consensual and then, like, explains what she saw. And the cop is just like, uh, okay, like, this is really weird. Um, so basically the idea is that there's this thing. It's going to follow you. It's going to walk towards you as a human being. We don't know who. And eventually when it gets to you, if it touches you, it will kill you in a gruesome and mangly sort of way. Right. Um, and then once it's killed you, it'll go on to the person who gave it to you and on and on down, down the chain. So he says, basically, just go find somebody to sleep with and, and get rid of it. So, um, yeah, why don't you pick up from there? Okay, so let's see. Let me try to remember from there. Okay, so at this point, she's really scared and shaken by this. And at this point, Paul offers to uh, stay the night with them to protect them. You know, she Jay goes to seek solace with her sister and Paul and her friends. She goes to the ice cream place where her sister works. And so Paul there says, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'll keep watch, which is kind of a sweet, but also maybe a little bit meaningless gesture, because as we'll come to find out, 
the scariest thing about this, which we saw initially with Hugh in the theater, is that you're the only one who can see it. So you could be surrounded by your friends, but it's always going to be on you to keep your eyes open and be ever vigilant looking for this phantom specter that's always coming after you. Right. Unless, of course, uh, that person has also slept with it, then they can still see it. Or slept with. Oh, right. 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 If they've once had it, they can see it when it's after somebody else. Yeah, correct. Which is why Hugh is able to show her the specter. Right. Um, Yes, very good. So at this point, they're staying up... uh, late on the couch paul and, and jay are talking we get a little bit of backstory that maybe there was some attempt at sexual history between them in the past they kissed each other uh, paul also kissed kelly at some point right and i think from this conversation i gleaned that and then she goes like you kiss your sisters like so i think they're step siblings okay yeah i i like that theory actually yeah because later on also um there's a man that's coming after uh you know, the it is as this man. And uh, this is later on in the plot. But she also says, like, he's like, who is it? She's like, you don't want to know. So, I mean, I'm thinking it's, like, a, the stepfather. Right. Like, his father and her father is like, so you don't want to know that, because otherwise, why would he care if it was only somebody who was important to her? Right. So it had to be somebody who was important, and they said they're kind of sisters, and they used to be in the same place, and they have a single... So all this put together me seems like abusive stepfather yeah yeah i like all that um so then we hear uh glass shattering in the kitchen and so paul goes to check it out uh as you might imagine he doesn't see anything because he hasn't had sex with jay so he can't see the specter uh so jay goes in there and all of a sudden sees a figure approaching her which has taken the form of what looks an awful lot like a, a young woman after a sexual assault her top is off. She only has one sock on, and she's urinating herself. Right. So uh, stuff goes on, basically. Like, we don't have to go into every detail. Jay runs out of the house, uh, yeah. gets on a bike, rides to the park, sitting on the swing set. Her friends find her along with the neighbor boy who's seen this all go on and is knowing something's wrong. Yeah, the, the, uh, the slightly older, brooding, cool neighbor boy. Yeah. So basically what happens is, um, there's that basically bell again. We got a bell for basically. Um, uh, essentially, what happens is um, he they kind of become this ragtag group of, of kids, and they all drive to uh, the city house uh, where uh, what's his name Hugh supposedly rented out under a fake name. Hugh, and uh, we'll find out his name is actually Jeff Rudman. Right. But um, so they go to the house that he rented out, and they it's all booby trapped with cans and stuff like that, and they're looking around for clues. And they find a picture of him and his girlfriend, uh, and they can tell by the letterman jacket that he's wearing what school he's at. So they go track him down at school, and they go track him down and go like, all right, explain this to me again. Oh, but you know what? Can we go back? We did leave out a really important part. Uh, before we have the sleepover and all this that leads to them leaving town, we actually see Jay at her own school, and she's in a, a literature right. class. And the teacher, At this point, she's unsure whether or not yeah. this is real or whatever. So th- this is actually the first, uh, other than the you know nighttime encounter with Hugh in the wheelchair, this is Jay's first time seeing the figure on her own. And as uh, the teacher is reading J. Alfred Prufrock, which is uh, a poem I love and has some important stuff, I think, to tie to this movie. Uh, but anyway, as that's happening, we see kind of an older woman, like a woman from a rest home, it seems like. Uh, slowly approaching and walking into the halls of the school. Right. 
and she like from across the quad and Jay looks at her and goes like yeah do you want something and then just the two girls behind the woman look as if they can't see her and say what <laughs> right so i mean it becomes clear that it's the thing so jay leaves school and she doesn't come back and then the thing comes to her house uh that she goes to the swing set the neighbor boy and yara and kelly and um uh, Doug, paul paul uh all go to find hugh jeff hugh jeff hugh hugh's place they find out where Hugh's actually from, track him down, his name's Jeff, um, and then they go talk to him. And then the language in this scene is interesting, so I'm just going to rattle it off. We'll get, we'll get back to it later, but um, they, uh, uh, they recognize the school. Okay, so his real name is Jeff. They don't, don't want to call the police. They just go to his house. Uh, he tells them pretty much the same thing. He says to Jay, Jay, I'm sorry. Somebody did this to me, too. Uh, who did it to you? Some girl I met at a bar. Uh, just do what I did. Find somebody and have sex with them. It should be easier for you because you're a girl. Um, just find someone and have sex with them. Maybe it will go away. I'm sorry. Someone did this to me, too. Uh, those are important words. So then they go to the lake to buy some time because he basically says, uh, you know, if, if you know, if you go to the lake, you can buy some time to think about it because it, wherever it's going, it's walking. Right. It's, it's a person that's walking in a straight line to where you are. Yeah, it doesn't have any magical powers to right. m yeah, transport. So, yeah, that's the neighbor boy's uh, lake house. W what's his name? He's like a major character. Uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll give it to you when I find it. Okay. Um, but um, so anyway, uh, they go to the neighbor boy's lake house and um, practice shooting guns. Uh, I was going to say something. Oh, the last thing Hugh says, one of the things Hugh says, he's like, you know, it's not even smart for us to be in the same place. Because it, it's basically unsafe, less safe for me. Because if it gets you, then it'll just turn right around and I'll be three right. feet away and it'll get me. Yeah. Right? Like, we're both right here and we're the next two people in the chain. So, like, get the fuck out of here. Um, so they go to the lake house to buy some time. And they're kind of chilling. Uh, they're kind of growing up fast, too. They're practicing shooting guns. Uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh... The thing disguises itself as a lady. Uh, Jay flees. Well, first it disguises itself as Yara, right? Or somebody who looks like... I couldn't tell if it was Yara. Or I, thought, I thought there were two Yaras for a second. But um, anyway, uh, it breaks into the house. Uh, it gets to her. Like something happens. On the beach. And I was pretty sure it was Yara. I can't quite remember. Because it actually gets real close to her, and then she's talking, and Yara's out in the water, and then we just see the point of view of everybody else, and it's like her being grabbed by her hair, right? By the thing, and you know, a nice practical effect, uh, very much, very well done. Yeah. Um, this movie's very sparing on it. God damn it! This is getting to be a long ass plot synopsis. Um, so we okay. <laughs> so then what happens is it almost gets her, but Paul tries to intervene. It boots Paul across the beach. She's able to just right. get out of its way, and they go running to this little beachside shack. So it can actually attack people who it's not after. Yeah. If um, it wants to. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you try to intervene, it's like, right. get the fuck out. Like, you just can't see me, but right. I, I do exist. Yeah. Um, so they hide in this shack, and Jay's starting to go a little crazy. She starts shooting at the thing, even though the brooding neighbor boy is right behind it. So he's like, whoa, ducks for cover. Right. Uh then it takes the form of, it almost looks like one of the 10-year-olds that spies on her. Yeah. 
and kind of pokes its head through the the hole that the gun blast made in the door. And uh, they're able to... Well, okay, how she escapes is yeah, okay. she goes tearing That's off. Jay flees in a car and winds up in an accident, wakes up in the hospital. Uh, there's mastery in the sequence where she flees in the car and the cross-cutting between her face and the doorway as, sh- as she hears footsteps down the hall. So oh, she's lying it? in the hospital bed and it's doing cross-cutting and we just hear footsteps. And it's just her face, the door, and footsteps. Her face, the door, and footsteps. Right, this is the next thing that happens. Yeah, even though before that, I think this scene is like one of my favorite from a virtuosity standpoint, is just her fleeing. We get this kind of long tracking shot where she's in the foreground, but we see the oh, creature. Oh, sorry, the there background. is a mastery in the sequence where she flees in the car and the cross-cutting right directly after that. Anyway, go on. Yeah, and what's cool is there's this shot, so she finds the car, but we still can kind of see the beach and you know the backyard in the background. And so she gets in the car, the creature's coming, and then she kind of pulls, does a three-point turn and pulls into the house, or yeah. by the house. Yeah, and so the people go off frame. Yeah, the creature goes off frame, then she pulls back, and all of a sudden it's her friends who are running. And so I thought that was such a cool image. It's like she's actually, as a result of this stigma, she's having to flee also the people who care about her. Right. Uh, cool isolation kind of feeling to it. But yeah, just uh, some really good camera work there. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, So anyway, then she's in the hospital, and she's just staring out the door, and she's hearing footsteps, and it's just cross-cutting back between her face, and then a nurse walks by, so it didn't happen to be the it, which is what I'm going to call it. Um, Then there's a couple scenes that pass. She has sex with the neighbor boy, um, and then he attempts to pass it to somebody else, but I don't think he's successful. Um... Then they go home when she gets out of the hospital. Uh, Jay still does not want to see anyone, even though Greg has the it following him now. Uh, neighbor boy is Greg. Yeah, Greg is the neighbor boy, and he is he's kind of unconcerned. He's just like, uh, he's like, no, I believe her, but I don't think it's going to come after me. Like, I think I'm stronger than it, basically. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe he just thinks she's crazy and was like, sweet, we had sex again like we used to in high school. Because they did used to have sex in high school. Um, and her friend Paul is like, you know, you could have given it to me. And she's like, I just thought it would be less of a big deal because Greg and I slept with each other in high school. Um, so anyway, uh, Jay sees a man, possibly the it, break into Greg's house. She tries to call. But the phone is off the hook. She goes over there and finds the it as Greg's mom raping and killing him. Yes. Uh, then she drives away and is seen sitting in the fetal position, very much like the girl in the opening scene. She wanders to the beach and sees some boys on a speedboat. She strips to the shirt and underwear and presumably sleeps with one of those guys. Yeah, if presumably. Not. Right. Uh, when she comes home, the pool has been trampled through in a clear indicator that the it had walked away. Um, then they go to the lake. Oh, no, wait, that's uh, page before, sorry. Um... And then she sleeps with that neighbor boy. Yeah. Uh, so then they go to the pool, uh, and they're going to set up this trap. So they pool in Detroit. Yes. Uh, it's uh, south of 8 Mile. It's uh, And actually, this whole time I was watching the movie, the first time I'm like, this looks a lot like Detroit or Ohio or blah, blah, blah. And this is when you finally find out that it's Detroit and that it's uh, it's it's nowish. Uh, it's It's the... We'll get to this later, but the film starts off with this anachronistic time. You don't really know what time it is. Is it the future? Is it the past? Yeah, and uh, here it would be good to point blah, blah, out. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Are we in just anywhere? And as time goes on, we, it becomes more like it's now, and yes. it's in Detroit in the post. Uh, 
because we also get uh, impoverished. You know, one of the big an- anachronisms that we get is kind of this '70s, '80s John Carpenter esque score, which makes sense because the villain of it follows is kind of like a Carpenter villain, like a Michael Myers or uh, what's the other one, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. You've got this gang, but it's kind of this faceless entity. So it, it's very much in keeping with that kind of old school horror villain, where it's scary because it doesn't have a personality. It's just it's just following. Right. Um, so when I was a kid, I couldn't go past eight mile. Uh, I couldn't go this far because it was just barely past the border. I couldn't go to the fair because it's just barely past the border. My mom said the same. Uh, their parents were overprotective. In the last scene, uh, like they basically set up a whole bunch of electrical appliances around the pool, hoping to have Jay stand in the middle of the pool. The it walk towards her, throw the hair dryer or toaster or whatever in and electrocute it, possibly kill it. Um, uh, in the last scene, we can't see it until we, we can't see it at all. The, uh, audience can't, uh, we just see the things flying into the pool. Right. It's like, fuck you. I'm going to electrocute you. I'm again, something that, uh, Greg, uh, Hugh slash Greg, uh, Hugh slash Jeff. Jeff said, um, you know, it's not stupid, but it's slow. So anyway, um, we can't see it. And then eventually we see that it's probably like her stepfather, Paul's father. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, Paul accidentally shoots Yara when he's trying to shoot it because Jay's like pointing at it. And he shoots the it in the head, uh, kind of killing his father. Interesting. Um, and then we end with the voice of... Uh, and then, like, the next scene... Uh, then after that, Paul sleeps with her and then goes and sleeps with the prostitute, I think. Just, yeah. like, as a precaution. Even though they think they killed it. We end with the voices of children and possibly uh, the it following them in the background. Correct. All right. Well done. Okay. Long-ass 25-minute plot synopsis. Uh, if you're still listening, no one's still watching on Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, come back! Uh, and I need to... This button for a second so that it goes. I. It's tough to get back into the swing of it. It's tough, you know. It gets better. It'll come. Now it's working. It's not quite set up the way I like, though. Anyway, our next segment is called. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Try that one more time. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Well, that was better. I like the second. All right, Brady, how did you like it? You know, I like this movie quite a bit. I like this movie. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. It's, it's a, a thoughtful, uh, formally inventive, interesting, character invested, and uh, all around well put together on a budget piece of work. Uh, I, so here's the thing. Do I give it uh, the higher grade or do I give it a grade that it can kind of grow out of? Because where I have this is... It's either a very, very high Bay Plinus or it's an A minus. And if I give it the Bay Plinus, I think this is the kind of movie that'll grow into an A minus. The kind where, where you see it, and I think anytime I see it, I'm just gonna be like, Yeah, wow, this is like everything about this is just solidly in place and it's it's good horror, thoughtful horror anchored to thought provoking ideas about being young and death. So it's really cool. Uh let me give it that high bay plinus, because I I want I'd rather let it grow and get the momentum it deserves than give it too high a grade right now. Is it your bay? Bay plinus. Bay. Bay before, area. Be, it's be, in the bay area. Before anyone else 
Aquinas? Before, like you know, how, like dudes will call their their girl Bay. Oh, the whole Bay thing, yeah. Yeah, no, this move, this kind of totally right? my Bay. <laughs> it's it's kind of, I guess it's already passe, but that was like a thing six months ago. And now yeah. if you say that, people will be like, "Whoa, you're so early, 2015." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's such a specific time. You had to be there, man. It was such a specific time. Yeah. Someone yeah. said something on the internet, and that's how it happened. <laughs> and then I had to tell them they were wrong. Wrong. That video feed's still going with uh, zero watchers. You know what? I really wish I would have gotten my ass, my ass together, my act together <laughs> uh, two weeks ago so that we could have uh, periscoped when periscope wasn't saturated. But I think it's saturated now. And so now it's going to be just as difficult to get viewership. Um, you know, nobody's watching because I'm probably way down in the feed because this thing started 30 minutes ago. However, is my setup, I must say, my setup with the camera there and being able to watch it on the laptop here. I mean, we could actually respond to people if uh, you guys wanted to. We could take a comment section in real time. You know what I think would help the cast is if each of us for like a year or two moves to some part of the world and gets like... A cool, interesting accent. Like, you could move to Boston, and I'll move to Scotland. And then, you know, then we'll really have some fucking energy on this cast, not these damn Californian accents. Hey, Brady, um, so we have a lot more uh, Twitter followers than we do Periscope followers. So could you do me a favor? Yeah. And uh, while I'm giving my how did I like it, uh, grab your phone and tweet out that we're Periscoping right now tweet that we're periscoping yeah just be like carney couch is uh currently periscoping their podcast on it follows live join the conversation maybe maybe something will come up that still new experimental thing uh we have at least a hundred twitter followers we have two and i think the two followers already came in and left those are chunk brian bauer and somebody else um so anyway uh there is not a single moment of this movie that's bad or stupid there are a lot of movies that are incredibly poignant and incredibly, like, masterfully done. Um, uh, I, I don't think there's... Yeah, there's nothing in this movie that that just strikes you as off or wrong or, or weird or anything. Uh, there's no bad acting. Like, the acting's not stellar, but, you know, it's all passable and fine. Uh, the camera angles are all good. It sounds good. It looks good. Uh, it's never overdone. I mean, like... I can't say a bad thing about this movie, and I can say tons of good things about it. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, it's an A. It's just a solid A for me. A, wow, nice. I don't think I've given one of those. Wow, Rob. Yeah. Damn, I, I didn't even, I didn't know you even liked it that much. That's cool, though. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, thinking objective, like, I really like it. And also thinking objectively, it's like a movie that's pretty much a perfect movie, doesn't really have a dull moment, and is there's nothing bad, nothing, not a single thing. I, can, I mean, even great movies I can point to and go, yeah, that scene was kind of stupid. Uh, everything was great except for that scene, right? Right. I uh, can't do that with this one. This one's perfect. So, uh, yeah, it's just, just a flat-out A because uh, there's no such thing as an A+, plus, so that's the highest grade you can get. So uh, if you like Rob's taste, you best watch this movie, yo. You best be liking Rob's taste. Or he will smack the taste out of your mouth into his mouth. Okay, um, why don't we get... Uh, I don't want to do a game or anything yet. Let's do the what's it all about. What's it all what's about? What's it all about? Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and start off out on my limb and say, uh, out on a limb, and say this movie is, uh, the it is basically a metaphor for uh, abuse, more specifically childhood abuse, most specifically childhood sexual abuse. Um, basically, a lot of the things that are said, like uh, when they go back and talk to Hugh slash Chef and find out that he's Chef and blah, 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 like, um, uh, okay, well, well, the first thing, when she's sitting on a, a swing set, a symbol of childhood, uh, right after Hugh has maybe kind of sort of raped her, but obviously not, I mean, from everybody else's perspective, that's what it looks like. But uh, he didn't. It was consensual. It's just that he traumatized her in another way. But if we look at that as kind of uh, like rape, she, um, she goes like, oh, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, you can't tell mom. Like, she'll freak out and she won't believe me. Well, that sounds exactly like somebody who had, like, childhood sexual abuse by their stepfather or something. And they tell their mom. Their mom freaks out doesn't believe them. That is, like, yeah. something that you hear all the fucking time. Um, then she goes and talks to him, and he, he and he says to her, uh, imagine if he were, like, a victim of abuse, and that's the it. Jay, I'm sorry. Someone did this to me, too. Uh, just find somebody to have sex with, and maybe it'll go away. Like, that's exactly how we traumatically reenact sexual abuse is, you know, people get very, they get sexualized early, and they become highly promiscuous and stuff because they're basically traumatically reenacting this situation um just also the idea that uh paul is her stepbrother like um that the it is at one point in time i think uh her father or her stepfather paul's father uh that the reason that the mom is an alcoholic and out of it and checked out and a, like a workaholic get up at 5 a.m and then just sitting in the background, not engaging, drinking wine, is because she was abused by the same man. Uh, there's a certain point in time where, you know, they, he goes like, man, I haven't slept over here since we were kids. And they, she's like, there was a reason for that. Like, mom and dad split up, and we now live in different houses. <laughs> right. Um, um, like, uh, what's the name, name of the guy next door? Uh, I said it once or something. Oh, Greg. Greg, yeah. Greg, you know, basically being raped by the it um, as he's being killed. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing. Like, you know, there's a there's a, a sense that, like, his mom may have sexually abused him or something. Like, uh, the first time the it appears to her is kind of a, like, looks like a rape victim. Yeah, um, absolutely. The last time the it appears to them definitively looks like a rape perpetrator. Um, you know, just tons of clues here that all just like tie into the idea that, you know, this, it, this thing that follows you, uh, is like your abuse and you're doomed to reenact it and, and pass it along to somebody else. Um, you know, and that's, that's what happens too, is like parents who were abused, abuse their children because they don't get help for those things. So I know, I know it's a really heavy analysis, but I really think, that this is what it's tuning into, uh, if not implicitly, at least thematically. Certainly. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I would agree with all of that. I think that's all in this film and very much there to be read. Uh, I think what makes it an even richer film is, uh, to me, the sense I got watching this a second time was 
there's something really Rorschachy about this in a very good way. It's Rorschachy without becoming too, without losing its focus. You know, I think I think it's a focused film. Uh, and what I think it's about, while tipping my cap to your uh, your trauma and sexual abuse theory, is I think it's just about the entire cornucopia of uh, cornucopia is such a positive word to use in this context but uh, yeah like a Thanksgiving horn of awful now uh, <laughs> a, a Thanksgiving horn of dysfunction and fear of sexuality and so to me and what always is, corn and, uh, and corn. Uh, slaughter of Native Americans throw that in there too oh yeah yeah and the that like weird looking like Autumn harvest corn, and you're like, no one, you never, never see anyone eating the, the harvest corn. Uh, anyway, I think what this is about is the entire process. Like, what's cool about this movie is I can go to multiple parts of it, and like, they kind of help me to construct my theory, uh, just visually. So, one thing, late in the movie, we have that eight mile thing, and the, it's basically them talking about crossing into this boundary that they were kept out of for many, many, many years as children. And I think at its heart what the movie is about is coming to terms with all the fear and all the paranoia and thoughts of what will happen when you cross that boundary from youth into adulthood, specifically, though, as it pertains to sex, because sex is what conjures this this specter into being. And so, yeah, I think, like, it's so interesting. I think what it's about is... Uh, take that first scene where we see the old woman coming into the classroom and you've got a teacher reading uh, an excerpt from Prufrock, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. Right, which, which is, is my, about getting old. Yeah, my favorite poem. And yeah, is about getting old and suddenly passing from this point of youthful optimism into just waiting for death. And so in a way, I think it's it's about being young and suddenly feeling the full weight of death and aging, even though you're you're young and beautiful, you're only in your twenties, and yet these people feel utterly doomed. And the other thing that's interesting, uh, they feel completely cut off from the adults in their world. You mentioned yeah. the mother; the mother is there and yet not there. At one point, they ask, "Well, should we call the police?" And it's kind of just like, "Why?" Yeah, what there's like a do? lawlessness to this in the very much way that there's a, a lawlessness in noir. Yeah, which is what an, can any which is another genre that has to do with loss of identity or like uh, uncomfortableness with identity is a no- noir. That's the genre. Horror is very much the same way, and also has this feeling of lawlessness or like the laws of the system don't apply. Yeah, and uh, in that way, what's cool? They failed them. Yeah, what, what I think is cool is it even kind of. <laughs> it almost deepens lesser horror movies about young people in its way because those movies never make those, these connections because they're not on this movie's level. But when we see these young people, it, it's always kind of too many horror movies are made from this adults remove, I would call it, where it's just we're either objectifying them or we don't really understand them. And in this movie, it's all these young people though they're in their own world like they have their own issues to deal with and so it's not that oh they turn their back on the adult world they don't feel like they have a place in that adult world they are the ones that feel isolated by this these are problems that only they can solve and we can think what we want about their problems and how they go about them but they have this responsibility to each other and what i think makes this more than just like a sinister horror movie is you get this vein, this warm vein of, well, but they have each other. 
So it's kind of like this mixed signal. On the one hand, you get have sex and never see the person. Like, go spread it and just, like, get out. And on the other hand, you have, no, gather your friends. Like, hold hands, hold close to each other. Find people you really do connect with. That's how you're going to survive. Yeah. And I mean, and that really is like the key to surviving after like abuse and and stuff. I mean, like that's where that's where addiction comes from, too. I mean, okay, (laughs) this is a a heavy thing, but I mean, um, it's pretty clear and we've known it for years and years and years. And and yet kind of the public and the way the public is educated on uh, addiction and substances is very much the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. sort of way of doing it, which is, I mean, the truth is, what we have evidence to suggest and what pretty much all psychologists agree on, so if anybody's going to get pissed off at me and be like, no, man, where are you getting this bullshit from? Uh, okay, fuck you. Um, fuck you, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> yes, how dare you uh, contest me? Anyway, um, no, I mean, addiction comes from early childhood trauma and a genetic predisposition. Uh, what happens with the early childhood trauma, and if you're genetically predisposed, you're almost like guaranteed to have some effect of that. And um, that doesn't mean that every single person, but it's just highly, highly, highly likely. Uh, so what happens is the early childhood trauma makes you unable to regulate your emotions and unable to, co- to connect with other people. And it becomes this, you know interpersonal problem you're not developing those interpersonal connections Mm -hmm. and uh so people often get addicted to things because that's how they regulate now you don't have the oxytocin going from your interpersonal connections like gathering those people around you like you really trust like you said and so the treatment for it i mean that's why 12 step works very well for a lot of people as long as they can get past the god thing or as long as they can you know really get to the point where they actually want to do it um you know, no, no amount of treatment will work if nobody wants to do it. But um, it's an interpersonal uh, experience. You sit down with other people. You talk about your feelings. You get support. You trust people. You have a sponsor who you uh, make a relationship with. And then you foster that relationship as a template for how to make those relationships with others and have that really close interpersonal connection so that you can self-regulate without substances. Yeah. So... That's why that's why there's both this the system doesn't work for me. It's it's out there and blah blah blah. Like that's the disease speaking. And then there's the actual true treatment and solution, which is the solution is to interact with the people that do work with me. Correct. Right. Correct. So I think we pretty much agree Ooh. on what's it all about. Um should we go do our understudy? Yes. Okay. Uh you want to snag the uh, scripts there over there? I'm so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway, so try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies, tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch, this game called understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. So, as the uh, the song uh, would seem to suggest, this game is played basically by, uh, we're going to read a scene, and we're going to imitate some voices. Um, and we're going to imitate voices of people who weren't in the original scene. And so your job is to figure out what scene it is, and tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch, and tell us 
um, and also figure out what kind of impressions that we're trying to do. And Brady and I forgot to uh, actually finish uh, figuring out what kind of impressions we're going to do, but so we're just going to have to do it on the fly. Do you want to be a boy or a girl? Uh, boy. Okay, so you're going to be uh, that one that's not that female name. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> You've given away <laughs> and, too much. And I'll be uh, a girl. Um, so let me think of a girl voice. Um, and there's always that old standby. Um, okay. I'm in no mood for trouble. What? There's an old saying, first customer of the day is always the most trouble. But like I said, I'm in no mood for it, so I'm just going to treat you so fair and square, you won't have one human reason to give me... Can I can I trade in my car and, and, and take another? You can do anything you have a mind to, and being a woman, you will. That yours... Uh, yes. Uh, nothing wrong with it. I'm just, uh... Sick of the sight of it. Well, suppose you look around for something that strikes your eyes, and meanwhile, I'll have my mechanic give you the once-over and, and want some coffee. I was just about to... No, uh, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to make a change uh, and start... Uh, one thing people never ought to be when they're buying a used car is in a hurry. But like I said, too nice a day for arguing. I'll just shoot this into the garage. <laughs> That's the one I'd have picked for you myself. Uh, come on. Go ahead. Spin it around the block. Now, I know you don't know anything about engine condition, but you can feel, can't you? And it's all in the feel, believe me. You feel that one around the block. It... Uh, uh... It looks fine, Ricky. Uh, how much will it be with, with, with my, my, my car? You mean you don't want the usual day and a half to think it over? Yeah. <laughs> no, of course not. You're in a hurry. Somebody chasing you? Of course not. Please, please. Well, heck, this is the first time I ever saw the customer high pressure the salesman. <laughs> I'd figure roughly... Uh, your car plus 500. Uh, 500? Aha. Always got time to argue money, huh? Well, all right. I take it you can prove that car's yours. I mean, out of state and all. Got your pink slip and your... Uh, uh I, I think I have all the necessary papers. Yeah, well, maybe you... Maybe you have to go. I'd, I'd really rather not. Please, can we just settle this in? No, no, go back to the papers. and yeah, I've maybe got all the papers. I mean, if there's a ladies' room. Oh, in the, the building. I, uh, uh, I think you'd better give it a trial spin. Don't want any bad word of mouth about California, Charlie. I'd, 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 I'd really rather not. Please, can we just uh, settle this and... Uh... I'll be perfectly honest with you, ma'am. It's not that I don't trust you, but... But what? Is there anything terrible wrong about her making a decision and, and not wanting to hurt? Do you think I've uh, uh, stolen my car? No, ma'am. I was only about to say I've sent my mechanic out to give your car a little test. That's all. I'd like it to be ready when he gets back. Okay, if you'll come along. Damn scene. That was the unsaid. Tweet us your answer at C A R 
Okay, so as the song, that's the outro would suggest, um, same thing. Uh, <laughs> guess the movie that that's from. Guess what voices we were trying to do. I was doing mine very poorly, but... Mine wasn't so hot either, but... No, I, well, I mean, I think... I don't know who you were doing, but... <laughs> 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 I, I just sounded like my Hepburn again. So there's your clue. It's not Hepburn. <laughs> no, that couldn't be Hepburn. I would talk much more like this if it would die, Catherine Hepburn. Um, at any rate, uh, what do we do now? We talk about scenes? Yeah, no, we just talk about... We just talk. Well, I mean, like, we, there's no contention this time. Let me go Let me go back to that mixed message thing and see if this yields any meat. Because I think it's so interesting. At the same time that the movie is proposing sex as the solution to get away from this thing, go have faceless anonymous sex... It's also a movie where sex creates the problem, and at the same time, maybe there's a danger in, in idealizing sex and being too afraid of it. So there's this well, kind of mixed... It feels like being a teenager, this movie. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, it is mixed, because, I mean, that's just like your stupid short-term solution, right? Your traumatic reenactment sort of thing, where it's like, oh, I want to do that thing that was done to me again, so that I can have some sort of mastery over it, right? Right. So, like, it's not the solution. It's the short-sighted, like, it's the brain problem talking. Right. Right. And obviously, we know that doesn't solve the problem uh, because... It'll just come down the chain eventually. It'll, yeah, eventually it'll just come down the chain when somebody's... If somebody tries to ch treat it, it's coming back to you. I mean, it's kind of like if you were a child molester, and then you, or you were molested by a child molester, and then you molested another child, and, you mol and they molested another child... Like, if somebody down that chain gets treatment, it's coming back to you. Eventually, somebody's going to be like, it's going to come knock on your door and be like, you know what? What you did to me when I was five was not right, you know? Right. Like, Tom Arnold has a story about that where, like, you know, he talks about uh, going into a school where this guy was now, like, the principal of the school and in front of everybody, like, explaining to him, like, what he did, that he knows what he did, he knows it wasn't right and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Like, uh, it's like a love line from 97 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, and you're right. So, I think, like, that's what's really nice is the movie does, in the end, come to this place of, well, in the end, like, you're not going to figure it all out, but just try to connect. Try to have a genuine thing. And I'm I'm glad of this because the if this movie has any problem, and it's not really a problem... It's that it occasionally feels so formally great and put together that it almost can be too intellectually rigorous. And so I'm glad that it has that beating heart of you feeling the connection between the characters. I think that that's important for it to feel like more than just a really great horror exercise. I would agree. Um, what's a specific scene that we could touch on maybe? I, I'll, I mean, I guess we already talked about it, but I love that scene of her fleeing from the beach house. Just I, yeah, there's that. I love what right. Be, I love that whole sequence actually, because like the effect of you know whoever getting close to her, and like I'm not quite sure how you do that effect. I think what you do is you have them fall down and you play it back in slow motion and in reverse. Oh yeah, okay. So it looks really weird to see the hair going up, which. <laughs> Uh, the hair would be going. How would that work? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> like, what they like if you take somebody at a, a high distance and then, yeah, basically, you have them jump 
from someplace up high into the frame. Right. Right. And then so their hair will kick up like this. And so what you do is you play that in reverse and then freeze frame it at the top and maybe like stagger it forward and back a few frames. Okay. Like a practical effect. That's my Ooh. guess of how they probably pulled that off. Nice. Um, it's, and it's a good cheap effect that like looks really cool. It's neat. And they're not showy about it. It's yeah. just all necessary. Yeah. I mean, like another thing you can do to have a crazy effect like that, that is practical, is to um, have somebody move their head around a lot and uh, just film it and, uh, and then like cut out the frames and then put dissolves in between each frame. Okay. So like they're moving their head around a lot, but it just kind of blurs as it dissolves as they're moving. And because you cut out the frames, it seems like they're moving rapidly and erratically. Um, what? Well, uh the effects where they had the uh, the uh, things fly into the pool were pretty good too, but I think that was just plain old After Effects like CGI. Yeah, that's <laughs> like they just took the it's object, like the film's budget, split right it there. out, made sure that they had the background, and then just had the thing fly. Right. Yeah. Uh, that shouldn't actually. I mean, like, okay. So what's amazing to me is, I mean, this movie was probably what what do you think this was like a three million yeah that sounds about one to three million that's bullshit dude like uh this movie was very well done and very good there's no reason at all that this movie should cost three million dollars to make i mean that's that's paying people basically right exorbitant amounts of money uh like i that would mean that the cameraman probably made 60 70k like, the After Effects guy or whatever. I mean, like, that's bullshit. Like, five people should be able to kind of put this together, and then nobody should get, expect to get paid, and you should just, whatever it costs to make it, and it should be 60K, like a movie like this. Especially shooting digital like we do now. You don't have to pay any developing costs. You can do all your editing and Final Cut that you can download off the internet for free. Uh, I mean, not legally, but fuck it. Oh, okay, fine. You could do it in OpenShot, which you could get on Ubuntu, <laughs> like, for free. You could do all the effects and CGI and stuff that you need to do in Blender, which is free. Like, I want to see a movie like this that nobody got paid and everybody made it, and it costs 60K, or it costs 50K. Because fucking, you know, Robert Rodriguez made El Mariachi for 60K on film. Right. On film. In the 80s when everything was ridiculously expensive and like the only reason he was able to do it so cheap is because they just went to mexico and everybody volunteered but like i mean come on if you can do it on film in 1982 or five or whatever the fuck that was um why the fuck do we have to pay three million for a great movie like this like that's still my problem with Knowing that this movie is three million, okay, maybe it's getting down to an A minus now. I'm pissed now. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just, <laughs> wish I had long sleeves so I could roll them up. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, my problem with it is people go like, "Oh, that was a great movie," and it's just like, "Yeah, the budget was only three million. Okay, so like everybody who's looking at it and going like, "I want to make movies," it's in their head. Ah, fuck, I still need to figure out how to get three million dollars together. Right. Which is bullshit. You could you could do this for ten k now, like, but. I don't know. There's this new mentality where it's like, dude, I'm not going to do the After Effects for free. Why the fuck not? Are you making money being a filmmaker right now? No. You're only going to do the After Effects once you... Like, come on. 
Yeah. Well, I guess so, uh, the cool thing is there are like I think maybe maybe some of the small awards bodies, maybe some of the Sundance or what have yous will do uh, awards or recognition specifically based on budget, like best film made under fifty k. Uh, and we probably I, need more of that. I haven't to encourage seen people. anything that low anymore. Now, like, it's amazing to me that now they consider a low budget film like one to three million. Yeah, like, to me, that's a fuck ton of money. It is. That's a fuck ton of money. And, like, I mean, I guess part of it is promoting. Like, to be honest, if you're going to do it inside of SAG and inside of guidelines and stuff like that, you're right. You can't do it for less than one to three million because there's it's a union and there's a minimum you must pay everybody and everybody uh, must get these credits and blah blah like blah. Administrative kind of right. Shit. SAG pretty much elevates. I feel like SAG probably elevates the price of a low budget film about six times. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say. Oh wait, no, that's not sixty times. Sorry. Sixty times. Well, I mean, if Damn. you think about it, if you could shoot it for fifty k, and it's three million. Because you have to pay all these people X amount, and blah blah blah, right. and everybody's a working actor, and everybody's got to get their credits, and blah 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 blah. As opposed to everybody just being like, "Fuck it, this looks like a great movie. This is going to launch my career, and then I'll get my ass paid. Um, I'll, I'll work for free on this one. You could have done it for fifty k, but because everybody has to get paid, and has to get their SAG time, and has to get the credits, and has to like everything has to be in SAG. And like, did you know that in SAG, like you can't you can't get a credit for writing, producing. Writing, producing, writing, producing, I can't fucking speak. <laughs> writing, producing, editing, and um, uh, you can't be a writer, director, producer. Are you an editor? Nah, man, I'm a producer. Or you can't be, you can't be a writer, producer, editor. Like, you can be a writer, director, and you can be a um, director and editor, but you can't be a writer, Editor, uh, producer. Uh, uh, I mean, if, director. If you're Harvey Weinstein, you can be a producer. No, well, that's why there's a whole executive producer credit, right? Like, if you're the producer, uh, now you can't be the writer and the director. Right. Like, which to me is insane. Like, if somebody literally wrote, directed, and produced this movie and edited it, they should be able to say, written by Robert Vincent. <laughs> Directed by R.V. Whiting. <laughs> like, I'm just going to change my name. Like, when I make my movie Edited and I do all that Bob stuff. Bob like, Whiteman. Yeah, score by uh, Vincent Rewriting. Uh, I mean, <laughs> seriously. How many pods could a podcast cast if a podcast could cast pods? Five. It cast all the pods that a podcast could if a bad cast could cast pods. <laughs> That's a fucking, that fu it's fucking harder than the woodchuck one, I swear. Yeah. Try it, Brady. Wait, how do I do it? Well, do you, it? you know that. How many? How much wood could a wood cut? Yeah. All right. Let's do the same so thing with podcast. How many pods could a podcast pod if a podcast could cut, cast pod? <laughs> cast pods? Oh, I'd cast all the pods that a podcast could if a podcast could cast pods. If only. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Um, well, what uh, the fuck is that other game that we do? Let me see. We uh, do plot met lines. Metacritical. Metacritical. Okay, yeah. Let's do Metacritical. All right. Let's play that. Uh, well, okay, so starting with horror movies, we're going to do Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, should I, should I sing the song? I'll just sing the song. Metacritical. Uh, oh, no, okay. We got it here. Metacritical. Rob's never going to win. Metacritical. 
darling and go ahead and uh you know you must keep track of the papers darling keep track of the score okay so nightmare on elm street that's gonna be have have to be our starter because uh you know th- i mean th- this movie pretty much it kind of has that feeling i would say uh yeah yeah it's uh an 80s classic 80s horror that i've never seen uh, but I think it's pretty well regarded, Mr. Wes Craven. Uh, I'm going to go with a 70. 70? That's if it has reviews. It's very old, so. Yeah, but it's kind of like a seminal piece in horror, right? Yeah, you'd think at least like four reviews uh, would be there. Okay, I'm going to go with, uh, 82. 82. Yeah, because it's got like very few amount of reviews. It's possible... Could be incredibly low or pretty high. Yeah, I guess so. All right, let's check it. Be careful of that remake one. We'll probably get that first. 84 is at 78. 78? The 1984 version, right? Okay. Uh, so that's four for you and eight for me. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take charge of this one and say we're going to follow Johnny Depp uh, out of this one and go to the first Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to follow him, are we? Uh, well, we're not going to follow him the entire way. We're, like, we can go to Jeffrey Rush to Quills after that. Okay. But, um... So, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, who's first? Oh, by the way, for anybody who's new and tuning in and blah, 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 uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to pick five movies, we're going to guess the Metacritic score, and we're going to try to be the least off in total. Correct. So, uh, we did, uh, the other one I was off by four, uh, Brady was off by eight, uh, this next one is Pirates of the Caribbean, and we're guessing. Okay, I'm going to go 74. 74. I'm going to go with 86. 86? Yes. You're about to get 86 Actually, I, I was just going from the same distance away <laughs> as you did before. Should I Caribbean Caribbean? This is like 2000, right? C, uh, yeah. C-A-R-I-B-B-E-A-N. C-A-R... Oh, just one R? Uh, yeah, one R. One R. Uh, and two Bs. <laughs> I doubled the wrong consonant. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Purse of the Black Curl is at 63. Purse of the Black Curl. Okay. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? No, you said it perfect. Shit, so that, that, uh, that slaps me down a little bit. A tad. Well, I mean... You're, I you're didn't fall in between. nine behind. Yeah. Okay. So now that we're in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, oh, I know. Jeffrey okay. Rustic Quills. No, no. We got this. This makes Fine, too much your sense. Your turn. We got to go because this will take us back to horror. Let's go with director Gore Verbinski, who also uh, around the same time ish, maybe a year later, directed The Ring. Great <laughs> remake. Uh, you're picking something you probably actually generally have a good idea of what the score is, though. I, I don't have no really idea what this. Not I. I don't know. I'll go sixty-five. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I'm gonna go with. <laughs> the burning hatred in his eyes. 
I'm gonna. <laughs> well, shit. I don't know what the fuck to do then. Um. Damn. 60? Okay. Our guesses are close together, so. No, but it's gonna be higher. 57. That catches me up to only being six under. Uh, okay, who's in that? Naomi Watts. I don't know anything she's been in. Uh, I heard Huckabee's, uh, 21 Grams, Mulholland Drive. Wasn't she in Birdman? Yes. Okay, Birdman. I totally know what Birdman is. What is Birdman? It's 89. I guess 89. She's way too fucking high. <laughs> Uh, okay, fine. Um, uh, let's go with the original Batman then. She's not in that. No, but Michael Keaton. She's in Birdman. <laughs> Michael Keaton. <laughs> okay. Michael Keaton is. <laughs> All right, the original Batman is a movie, and it's probably like a seventy-eight. Came out in nineteen eighty-five, right? Eighty-nine. I can't guess that high. He <laughs> uh, said seventy-eight. It was a uh, 66. 66. So wait, what did you say? 78. And I said 80? Yeah. Uh, so I just lost two points on you now. Okay, so how many movies are in Inner We Four? Yes. So this is the final one, and I'm like under uh, like eight? I think so. Pick your battleground. Well, Pompey. Battle. Battle. Select your player. <laughs> okay, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, uh, the old <laughs> show. With Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Okay. Uh, I, I doubt there's going to be reviews for this. Me too. Oh, it's a terrible movie. Um, uh, Reebok. There's Reebok product placement on the Bob on in that <laughs> movie. Um, so... I'm going to go with like a uh, 32. 32? And I, I'm short six? Yeah. Okay, so I have to go seven under you at 25. Okay. Super Mario Brothers. You remember like the TV show with like the fat guy? He's like, break your hips from yeah, side to side. It's, undo the it's Mario. not in there. Nothing came up under movies. Blasphemy. <laughs> Okay, um, I would love to do that, but I'll just go with another video game. Well, I guess it's not a video game. I mean, there were lots of video games. Um, go with the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Huh. Which is actually a pretty good movie, so this will be tricky. Yeah, it is a pretty good movie. I'll go with 65. question is, do I think it's higher or lower than 65? I think it's higher. So I'm going to go 72. Okay. Also not in there. <laughs> okay. Damn it. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let me think. Okay. I've, I've, I've struck out twice. Why don't you pick one? Don't Let's pick anything see. I haven't fucking seen, please. <laughs> Let's see. Video games. doesn't have to be video games. You could pick another horror. You could uh, pick another whore. Go pick another whore. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Can we do Gangs in New York? 
it's just because I thought that sounded like something the butcher would say. Sure, we can do games. Boyle, you gotta okay. pay for the pleasure of my company. Go pick another whore. <laughs> gangs, let's see. Gangs, gangs. <laughs> this is a seventy-nine. Oh God damn it! That's a pretty damn good guess. All right, I'll go with seventy-two. Okay. Bullseye. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Wait, does that mean we're tied? No, that means uh, I win by one point, and I get five extra. Oh, uh, yeah. Because of the bullseye. Because of the bullseye. Nice. All right. Fuck, yeah. Guess what? Guess what we play now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll find out. A Metacritical. <laughs> In your face, Brady. God. <laughs> Look at his joyful <laughs> face. Yeah, they can actually see it now. I mean, okay, so... <laughs> no one wants to see that. <laughs> okay, so the fact that um, that nobody watched this on Periscope isn't really too big of a deal, because the feed is safe for 24 hours. So oh. we can share the feed on our Twitter thing and be okay. like, if you want to preview the podcast, because we haven't released one in for fucking ever, uh, you can see it. Um, look at us. Come look at us. I, I think we're good. I mean, we've done all the things. Do you yeah, I've literally rap? talked about... Everything on my notepad, so yeah, um, and we ran an hour twelve. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a short movie. Yeah, uh, we ran probably longer than the movie. Yeah, well, maybe. Cool. Well, I guess we're done. I guess we are. Uh, oh wait, what are we doing next week? Oh, um, that's a good question. Uh, people won't be hearing this for a while, so we probably shouldn't do anything current because right. I still got three episodes to produce and post before this one comes out maybe i'll do them all at once or something i don't know um well let's go ahead and think about it here uh, should i check the website for suggestions yes mm-hmm. i i did have a good one though I had... uh bray why don't you tell everybody that uh, they can go on a website and suggest that Oh, yeah, go to our website, uh, which is now www.carnivorousstudios.com. Yeah, or you know what? I hear this all the time on podcasts. Go to www. And like uh, all the hosts are trying to say it real fast, www. Everybody stop with the www's. You don't need the www. There is, like, okay, every domain has a thing, right? Right? And it could have many things before the domain name. So if you have Google.com, you could have mail.google.com. You could have play.google.com. You could have www.google.com. Now, the main page, which is usually always mirrored on www.google.com, is just google.com. So, carnivorousstudios.com. There's no It's so hard to fucking say. I mean, we could just be like dub, dub, dub. But you know what? Fuck it. Why does everybody... There's no reason to put the WW... In fact, really what's important... I mean, I guess if you hit start and go to run and you type www.google.com, it'll come up. And if you just put google.com, it would be confused because it's identifying that it's supposed to go open your web browser via the www. What we should really say is go to http colon slash slash carnivorousstudios.com. Do I have to say that? <laughs> but I'm, uh, you don't have to say it. You can say whatever you want. Um, I'm just making a comment on society. Strudel. Can we stop with the www's and just say http colon slash slash? Because that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. So, any suggestions? 
Do we, do we want to do any critics corner? We got any critics corners? Mm. You know, I really want to do one on the Newman doc. Oh, that's one I wanted to do. The Paul Newman winning the uh, racing life of Paul Newman. Oh, uh, you saw that? I uh, know. I want to watch that. Oh, you podcast. want to watch it? Yeah. You know, I'll I'll give a shout out. This thing that I've enjoyed most that I've seen this year is actually, uh, which is kind of coming in on the back of me breaking the rules for my list and letting Louis the Elevator be part of my top 20. Uh, and I'm thinking I'm going to let Andrew Jarecki's uh, The Jinx be uh, in contention for my top 10 as well. Uh, Mr. Jarecki did a, a very good documentary I need to re-see called Capturing the Freedmans back in uh, 2004, I want to say, about a family that was accused of sexual abuse. They're school teachers in New York. Uh, he's a really interesting talent and Big reason to see this, it's a six-part doc miniseries, and it's this true story about this rich real estate heir uh, who was linked to a number of murders throughout the years. Uh, so what is it called? It, it's called The Jinx. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of... Wait, but that's a TV show, isn't it? Oh, it's an HBO miniseries. Does that it's, count as a movie? Well, it's only it's like four hours. It's, it's the same length as Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, was it in a theater, sir? No, no. Neither was The Elevator. But... But I'm saying uh, that's true. But we didn't watch the elevator for a podcast. You just put it on your top. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but this isn't for the podcast. This is. Oh no, I'm not suggesting what we watch. I'm, I'm just giving a little shout, shout out, out while you do good. your thing. Okay, I see. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, check this thing out. A, it does what Foxcatcher last year nobly tried to do a thousand times better. Uh, kind of showing like the creepiness of money culture in this country and and what money can do. And B, and maybe this should be A. It's hands down the best villain you'll see all year. This this guy, Robert Durst, is one of the most fascinating, pathetic, chilling, infuriating figures you'll see. So on him alone, I recommend go see this. It's a really uh, interesting uh, shot in the arm for true crime, which is, is starting to take off again with cereal I keep hearing about. Cereal's very good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my big endorsement nice. right now. Okay. Um, well... On our site, uh, once again, if you want to go to uh, carnivorousstudios.com, if you go to carnivoruscouch.com, it'll get you there eventually. Uh, for some reason, that transfer is a little slow. But anyway, uh, you go to the top where it says podcast, go to the drop down, find Carnivorous Couch, and off to the side of that, you'll see suggested film. Currently, we have Station Agent, uh, which we have done, actually, and you will have heard at this point, yes. but I haven't produced it and posted it. Um, uh, then we have the uh, the Warriors Way was a suggestion, and then also Ghostbusters from 1984. What is the Warriors Way? Um, it is a 2010 movie uh, starring somebody and being cool. And Mandy said that we'd love it. Um, I think it's a kind of a, a like a sort of sukiyaki western Django sort of thing, or like a Good, the Bad, and the Strange kind of thing, where it's like. Um, you know, it's set in as a Western, but in China. Okay. Right. And there are trains and explosives, but then also samurais and other Chinese martial arts. Like Kung Fu Hustle would count. Right. I mean, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen The Good, The Bad, and The Strange, which I would also suggest. I have um, not. Which I think is really awesome. It's kind of like a Western set about like, uh, no, the The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. That's what it is. Okay. And it's like gunfighters uh, on a train, and then this one strange guy, and this guy's an asshole, and this guy's a good guy, and there's a treasure map, and blah, blah, blah. 
so Ooh. it's like it's like a it's a there's a trend called sukiyaki westerns, right? Which is like spaghetti westerns, but sukiyaki, which is a soba noodle dish with a raw egg, right? Steamed, um, and uh, you know green onions, soba sauce. Um, mm. It's really good, uh, except the raw like uh, poached, barely steamed eggs. To me, I know it's really healthy because it doesn't cook out all the stuff and it doesn't add a bunch of oil. Right. I can't do. I can't do it. Like, yeah. if you're gonna give me a poached egg, you better put a bunch of Bernays in it so that it makes it. Just, it smothers it with something greasy, and fatty. Like, I can't. I can't just do the egg that's almost raw and doesn't have any grease on it. Like, right. It feels too raw, and I. Yeah, oh, too oh, raw. Not not good. Yeah. Uh, so what do we do next one? Um, are we taking a suggestion or? Are no, we, we can. We don't have to. Well, fuck it. I'm. You know, I'm going to go through my parliamentary process with my movies. Basically, what happens, if I suggest a movie six times, around that yeah, time it tends to be fixed. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to throw Grizzly Man I- in there. Uh, and I'm going to throw Grizzly Man in there. Oh, my God. And, uh, Didn't and have to create your precedent. <laughs> and, the, wait, and this is where, like, oh, it doesn't count because I voted for your <laughs> Grizzly Man. And you, so, so we do the Warriors way. Um, no, no. Grizzly Man. Okay. I vote Grizzly Man. Okay, so we'll watch Grizzly Man next week. Zam. Brady's happy. Now that's flavor you can taste. Okay, everybody. Uh, the next Periscope podcast will be Grizzly Man, the next posted podcast. Uh, if you're watching this on Periscope. And uh, I, it's kind of confusing because <laughs> we've got the feed of actual audio podcasts and we just haven't produced them because shit went balls nutty like brady was out of town i was out of town uh, yeah then brady was out of town then i was it's out been of like town. two months of just like trips and trips yeah, trips and like my computer was fucked up uh i rebuilt it and now the garage is fucked up but you know what we overcame this and uh this isn't really carnivorous couch because it's a bed right now and there's shit everywhere that's more carnivorous clusterfuck but uh i'm just gonna go ahead and say we're gonna do grizzly land next week and um We've come unstuck in time. Yeah. The only person who watched our podcast today, I'll tag him. Three, two, one, chunk. Theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. The drop goes here. Yeah, like a Thanksgiving horn of awful.